Welcome to the Undisputed Future Podcast. This is episode 27, and after a week of hiatus and September summaries and episode 26 kicking off October, I'm in the middle of the month. It's 27. I'm back consistently, and also back with me is Nikki Six once again. Nick. Hey, everyone. It's good to be back. We're posted up once again at his crib, and we are looking to discuss a hellacious episode of NXT. It was chaos. We had an NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 rematch between Johnny Garcia. Gargano and Andrade Cien Almas, but to kick things off, it was an NXT Women's Championship qualifying match between Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, and the iconic duos Peyton Royce, and we already know Kyrie Sane has qualified for NXT Houston, NXT TakeOver War Games, as it is now referred to, and Nick, I want to talk about that at the end of the I'm episode, the major man. announcement for War Games debuting at NXT TakeOver Houston, but uh, we have some answers in the NXT Women's Division. Asuka, as we all know, is making her TLC debut in just a matter of days. But where will the NXT Women's Championship go? We find out the first to join Kyrie Sane in this fatal four-way matchup. And it was quite a show from all, all three of these ladies here, Nick. Liv Morgan coming out with a new confidence. Peyton Royce pulling her usual smart tactical advancement. And uh, we all know what not to expect from Nikki Cross, I guess, at this point, right? Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a great showing from everyone. Liv Morgan, it's great to see her finally back on NXT television. And I never surprised to see Nikki Cross throwing her body at just everyone. And throwing other people's bodies too. Reluctantly using Liv Morgan at the beginning of the matchup to deliver a double clothesline to Peyton Royce. Uh, there's been a lot of reluctant alliances going on with Nikki Cross lately. We had the Ruby Wright, Nikki Cross teaming up going on. But Nikki Cross coming out solo and this one looking to claim her spot in this NXT Women's Championship. She looked really strong too. I really thought she was going to take it tonight. She was all over the place destroying Peyton Royce and Liv Morgan getting thrown all over the place. Liv Morgan Morgan, I want to talk about for a second. While she didn't get the win, I feel like this new confidence coming out, I feel like training with the main roster, touring with the main roster has really improved her moveset and her presentation. Liv Morgan's coming up to be quite the babyface in the she's division. She's definitely getting into her own, and I, I, I like where she's going. I am a little worried that that um, Tower of Doom that she took, that, that looked like it was a bit impactful for her. I don't know if she came out of that okay. I mean, a standard and a standard and triple threat match, you're bound to see Powerbomb, Superplex, Tower of Doom, Liv Morgan taking a vicious landing on her lower back, and then taking a suspended Hangman's Neckbreaker from Nikki Cross. And we saw the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly make their presence known with a new member, it seems, Tynmara Conti, Former Mae Young Classic competitor, Black Belt Judica, a really impressive competitor. Uh, it seems like she was a hired gun to interfere and really strike back insanity on behalf of the Undisputed Era. It seems like it was almost like a tryout tonight. They were giving her the general idea of what she had to do. They sent her out there, 
she gave it her best shot. It was I mean, cr- she definitely threw Nikki Cross off of her game, which it takes a lot to do. To get inside the head of Nikki Cross definitely takes a lot. Tamara Conti running around the ring, diversion, pulling Nikki Cross off of what seemed like the winning pin cover on Liv Morgan, and just whether it was on purpose or not, leading Nikki Cross right into that spinning wheel kick from Peyton Royce, and then, of course, the fisherman suplex with an absolute perfect bridge. Liv and Morgan still down for so the count. Good. And one, two, three, we have one half of the iconic duo qualifying for NXT TakeOver Houston. And what do you think, Nick? Is Peyton Royce an early favorite despite the fact that we don't know the other two competitors yet? She's a favorite for me. Peyton Royce is always a favorite for me with those long legs. I don't know that she's going to come out of this as a champion. I think that this is going to increase her possibilities of being a future NXT Women's Champion. I don't think this is her time. Yet. The Oscar transition doesn't go straight to the iconic duo. But, I don't uh, see that happening just yet. We still have to see who the other two ladies are qualifying. We have three of my major picks. And Roxy seems to disagree. Uh, we have a four-legged furry friend joining us in the studio this week, so you might hear a little bit of background noise. And uh, it's a puppy. If you want to check out the Instagram, at Undisputed Future Podcast, there is a picture of Roxy up on there. But she's not happy either because Ruby Riot, Ember Moon, and Sonya Deville will compete in the next qualifying matchup, a triple threat match next week. And three of my personal picks. I thought two of these three ladies were going to fill those last two spots, Nick. I don't know what to think next week. I mean, regardless of what's going to happen, it's going to be a great, great match. I cannot wait to see Ruby Riot, Ember Moon, Sonya Deville. Three of the hardest hitting women in NXT right now are going to go... Toe-to-toe-to-toe, with no disqualifications. Lots of striking ability in that one. We will see DeVille, Riot, and Ember Moon clash next week for another qualifying matchup. Also next week, Nick, we have Sanity colliding with the Undisputed Era in a six-person tag team match. Do you think this was a preemptive strike to get in Sanity's head before their match next week? Oh, absolutely. They definitely were trying to send a message that regardless whether it's the women, the men... They are attacking on all fronts just the way Sanity is going to. Undisputed Era also going with the divide and conquer aspect of NXT. They got a woman, they got a credible tag team in Red Dragon, and Adam Cole, we know from NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3, Nick, has his sights on the NXT Championship. So you 100% think that this this new lady is, uh, what was her name, I'm sorry? Tymera Conti. Tymera Conti. Black, Black Belt Judica in the Mae Young Classic, pretty impressive competitor. I honestly didn't know if she was going to get a contract, but I was hoping she was because she came out in the gi and... Me as a martial artist really really appealed to me, and uh, I thought she was a standout talent. I didn't expect her to come into NXT already affiliated with these guys because she is a product of the Performance Center, not a former Women of Honor. Agreed. Do you think that she's actually a full-on part of the Undisputed Era, though? I think it was, like you kind of said, I think it was a trial period. I think it was a tryout. I think she accomplished her mission, and I think that definitely made her in good standings with Cole Fish and O'Reilly. Yeah. So I think that faction does need a female presence. I think Tamara Conti can fit that bill. Moving outside of faction warfare, though, Nick, we had the actual in-ring debut of the 22-year-old world-traveled prodigy, Leo Rush, taking on the man who attacked him last week, the Velveteen Dream. Rush initially slated for a match against Aleister Black, but Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black having issues ever since Black spoke live on NXT television for the very first time. Velveteen Dream getting all sorts of... He's trying to get attention from Aleister Black in as many different ways as possible, even calling him out during this match tonight, Nick. 
I think he's just trying to get attention. The Velveteen Dream is all about getting the attention of people. That extended entrance tonight, I feel like there was even more ambiance and flamboyancy added to it somehow. Just, I feel like it was really dragged out this evening. Oh, absolutely. Tones of gold dust, like I said earlier. The man is definitely tuning this character, and I'm loving it. I cannot wait to see where he goes. And in a time where gender roles are being tested, this is the perfect time for him to take that it is a cra- It's a crazy ambiguity with Velveteen Dream. It's I absolutely agree. It's a great gimmick for right now for him to run with. And I think it's going to take him very far in the company. He's definitely showing signs of it so far. The bizarre one inspired... By Gold Dust, I really liked you. Uh, you calling that out while watching this. But Leo Rush, let's talk about this kid. What a talent! The guy came out swinging very swiftly tonight. Yeah, he did. Kicks all over the place. The kid was flying like he had wings. The guy had a lot of momentum. Again, over forty different United States overseas traveled, Mexico, the United Kingdom. Leo Rush is a talent to keep your eye out on. But another young talent making his rise through and the just a little bit more experience in NXT paid off for the Velveteen Dream tonight. Just a little bit more size, a little bit more power, and a lot more angst, lot I feel. a lot more power. I mean, that, those, those hits, man. Let's not Velveteen forget. Dream, he has a sassy character, but he hits like the best of the brawlers. It's the aggression. The aggression behind this crazy front that Velveteen Dream puts up, it's its a very unique combination, that Death Valley driver to the Purple Rainmaker, oh, that, which that is now Valley that springboard from the second oh, to the top so rope, good. elbow drop, just that slight modification on the move, but he still gets all of the height. Patrick Clark, it's a beautiful move, the Velveteen Dream with another victory on NXT, but How he was... says it? He's Randy like Savage. Savage like Randy, but I'm gonna try. I'll 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 chalk that one up to uh, being old. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm old, guys. Losing a little bit of uh, losing a little bit of track on commentary. Commentary was fire tonight. We'll get to that during the Johnny Gargano versus Almas match. Very (laughs) very big discussion to kick off that one. But I do want to talk about this Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black animosity that's been going on. Uh, Black, I mentioned it before. He came out to talk for the very first time. Dream interrupted him. Alistair Black kicking the microphone out of Velveteen Dream's hand with absolute precision and then taking his patented seated stance. Velveteen Dream not intimidated by this at all, Nick. Velveteen Dream trying to, I guess, mentally seduce Alistair Black is the best way I can put it. Alistair Black combating that the following week saying it was just, I guess, a millennial's way of getting attention, for lack of a better term. I'm obviously paraphrasing here. I don't see a dark Netherlands figure like Aleister Black saying the term millennials, but you know what I mean, the attention, the narcissism of Velveteen Dream, rather. Aleister Black is calling out that attention-seeking habits of Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream is steering right into this, Nick. What do you think that does to Aleister Black seeing all this from the back during this matchup, saying, say my name and you'll remember me, and just all these hints while taking on Leo Rush? I feel like Aleister Black is a person who has seen a lot of people try to break his resolve and he is not going to be broken that quickly. He is not going to be taken off of his game so easily. He has been training for people like this his entire life. He's not... Velveteen Dream is going to have to pull something out of the woodwork. It's going to have to be something super special. But I know that sassy mofo can do it. It's got to be something that Aleister Black hasn't seen in his 15-year journey to NXT. Who knows what that could be? Velveteen Dream trying to get in the head of Aleister Black. It truly is a perfect, like, 
uh, feud they got going on there, though. It's like the yin to the yang. It's that over the, that over the top presence of Velveteen Dream and that dark mysteriousness of Aleister Black. I very ebony and ivory. It's <laughs> <laughs> sorry to bring it there, and guys. that's not just because it's a European taking on an African American. It's in their personality too, guys. We're politically correct, or we try to be here on the Undisputed Future podcast. Velveteen Dream, Aleister Black. Where is this rivalry going? We want your thoughts. Whereas Velveteen Dream might have to pull out something that Aleister Black has never seen in his 15-year journey, Nick, we saw something that we never thought we'd see on NXT television based on their series of matches. I'm talking about Danny Burch coming out to help Oni Lorcan after Oni's vicious and hard-hitting match with the brute known as Lars Sullivan. Not an alliance we expected to see, but one that I know you and I were hoping on after those two solid matchups. I mean, it's really cool to see that he came to his, you know, his, he came to save him. I still hold out for that one more match because we never got that last match. I feel like it should be a trilogy. I want to see that one more match, and then I want to see these guys as a tag team. I don't know when the Dusty Classic is happening this year or early next year. I want to see them go in as like a dark horse tag team. I could see that working out. But Danny Burch coming to the aid and defense of his, I guess, former rival or current rival. That 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 friends through fire. There's a lot of there's a lot of sportsmanship and respect in the way these guys compete. Danny Burch recognizing that, helping out Oni Lorcan, and even getting a match with Lars Sullivan tonight himself. And uh, boy, we've seen a lot of resolve out of Danny. We've seen the resilience. We know how tough this British guy is. But Lars Sullivan is just a force we haven't seen on NXT in quite some time. The man cannot be knocked down. <laughs> the man has a fist like a catcher's mitt. He is absolutely unstoppable. He was taking forearms and punches to the face. There was a right hand that came from Danny Burch that would have knocked down a tree. And it didn't knock down to Lars. What I've noticed didn't even in, stagger him. What I've noticed in these matches, Nick, is that these hard strikes from these vicious veterans like Oni Lorcan, like Danny Burch, the more European uppercuts, the more slaps, the more punches to the face, the angrier Lars Sullivan gets. It seems to be fueling him towards victory, and I don't know how you combat around that. As a guy who had a, a larger, older brother, my particular style is always go for the legs. Try and chop down the tree story. You're a big guy. You're going to go for the legs. I mean, that's just me being a tinier guy and always... That's what I would do. That's tactical. That's not straight ahead <laughs> like we know Danny Burch <laughs> and Oni Lorcan to do. And, and Danny Burch, they kind of just like to run head first, literally, into people. We saw that running head first and slapping Sullivan. I think that might have that might have spelled disaster for Danny right away. But Birch, despite getting decimated, did not give up. The guy showed a lot of resilience and it seemed like he wanted to redeem Oni Lorcan's loss, but there's just... the very end. He, he fought to the very, very end and he put up as much of a fight as he had in him. But that super side spine buster by Lars Sullivan just racks up another victory. The man is undefeated in singles action and handicap action. He hasn't even been pinned in a tag team match and he's decimated his partners afterwards. The guy is an unstoppable force through NXT. Who do you want to see step up to Lars Sullivan next? Alright, I guess, I mean, I, I could go for the obvious here. And your obvious might be my guess. Killian Dane. Killian Dane. I'm pretty sure yep. everyone was going to say <laughs> Killian Dane. But I'm going to go with the big man from Brazil, Cesar Bonani. That big win over Almas still looming in his uh, repertoire. He's definitely got some you know, power in NXT right now. He's still floating on that. I would like to see Cesar Bonani versus Lars Sullivan 
and see where that goes. Definitely match him for height. Uh, Cesar Bernani holding an even record with the man main eventing tonight, Andrade Cien Almas. That was a very big upset win, and he's a big man. He can match Lars for size. Very good guess, Nick. Not many men on the NXT roster can match besides those two. match with Alistair. Yeah. Cesar Bernani's proven himself on NXT so far. We saw him go uh, head-to-head with Cassius Ono. Yes, another guy who might be able to take it to Lars, but it, there's just so much lacking in the NXT as far as big size guys who can really take it to Lars Sullivan. Those are our guesses. Who do you think is going to step up to Sullivan next? Another man's future in NXT that I'm concerned with, Roderick Strong. Roderick Strong, after a NXT championship match, Drew McIntyre defending his championship successfully for the first time. Post-match, Nick, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but the Undisputed Era tried to recruit the man once known as Mr. Ring of Honor to join them in taking over NXT and seeing things their way. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I see, you know, where they got the idea from. <laughs> it's very obvious. Anyone who knows Ring of Honor and knows anything about these four individuals clearly drew the line to connect these guys. So it makes sense that they were they would extend the olive branch, so to speak. Do I think that you know Roddy's gonna take that olive branch and know anything with it? No, I don't think he's gonna smack it out of their hand per se, but I think that he's going to kindly decline and tell them that he is a man who likes to do write things his own, his own story. way. Roderick Strong in a recruitment attempt by the Undisputed Era. We don't know what's going to come of that, but we hope to hear from Roderick Strong soon. We will hear from Drew McIntyre in an interview next week on NXT. Two guys I've been waiting to hear for from though, Nick. I'm talking about the Street Profits. Tag team action once again this week, taking on Marcus Espada and Damian Smith. I don't know if you got any information on these guys, and quite frankly, based on their performance this week, I don't care. I, I didn't, and I agree. I mean, they it, were it made us really, all hell. really hard to care about them. I mean, Damian had purple hair, and Montez, yeah, most Montez, <laughs> Montez Ford was laughing at him. That's the most I took away from their opponents tonight. <laughs> yeah, Damian, he had the, the purple hair and the purple tights, and the, the, that was the most standout thing. The other guy, um, what was it, Estrada... He had some pretty decent tights. And then and took one like right hand by Dawkins and, and crumble. Street Profits absolutely dominating. This was a showcase match of showcase matches. Every time these guys are out in the ring, it seems like a showcase and a party. Montez Ford running around like a wild man. I don't know how that guy isn't constantly winded or tired and still frog splashing off the top rope nah, to do some amazing I don't know how tandem offense. But I, I got a question for you. Do you think these guys are being put on a pedestal to only be set up for the long fall because they're going up against all these no-name tag teams? Do I think they're being set up for like a permanent entertainment in the mid-card center in the tag team division? It seems like they're really hyping them up, hyping them up, hyping them up, hyping them up, only to... All right. Send them down. Crash. I, I see, I see at, what you're saying. Look at the tag team division as it stands in NXT right, right now. We got Sanity at the helm. We got Red Dragon coming in. We got Heavy Machinery looking to prove. We got Authors of Pain who are still, still do, who are still do a rematch for those NXT tag team championships. So I think it's going to be a slow burn with the Street Profits. I do think it's going to be a lot of series of these showcase matches. I don't want to see them pull the trigger for the NXT Tag Team Championship like they did with Heavy Machinery and drop it with them so quickly. I want to see them get built and, I guess, taken more of a serious 
turn with them might be might be nice too to see them as uh as championship competitors but the nxt tag team championship scene is crowded right now i do see your point it's like i've said in the past man i'm afraid that they're gonna get crime timed they're gonna get put on this giant pedestal only to be a giant letdown i'll say it as it is man it's very easy for them to get pigeonholed into a stereotype gimmick yeah it's it, it it's is. really easy it and that extremely. sucks because we've seen the growth with angelo dawkins you and i especially firsthand yeah. And Montez Ford coming out, I mentioned it on a, a couple episodes ago. He can be the big breakout African-American star they kind of been looking at in a heavyweight division. The guy does have the charisma, assuming that a tag team run doesn't work. But these guys can be better than just getting thrown into like a lost-in-the-shuffle sort of scenario. Yeah, it would, it would definitely be upsetting because we don't have too many like fast-paced guys other than like the New Day. And I feel like, as much as it pains me to say this, that they are on their way out. As I don't a know. Faction. I don't think so. I mean, uh, they just they did make history at Hell in a Cell with that tag team championship match against the Usos, which I know we don't talk much main roster How stuff many here, guys. Can you make history? That match was incredible. NXT veteran Xavier Woods and NXT and champion Big, Big e, e and veteran Kofi Kingston. I think they're going for a long time. I think the Street Profits getting called up, and hopefully, if New Day's still around, that can make for an entertaining WWE.com segment or something. The comparison between them two, I'm glad you brought them up because the fan interaction of the Street Profits is very much mirroring New Day right now. It's very commendable. These guys are jumping out. They're having a lot of crazy post-match celebrations, pointing out people who have the sign and the cup merch, and a lot going for the Street Profits right now. It was a very good comparison. Successful on NXT television thus far. Undefeated. We'll see where they turn in the NXT Tag Team Championship scene. Before we get to discussing our NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 rematch main event between Gargano and Amos, Nick, I want to talk about the announcement for next NXT TakeOver in Houston. I'm talking about the bringing back War Games. The creation of the Rhodes family is returning to NXT TakeOver. I have not seen you since this announcement. We have not gotten a chance to talk about it on the show. What a comeback. The two sides, two rings. It's going to be huge in Houston. It's going to be fantastic. It's been a really long time since like we've seen this pay-per-view. It's been an unbelievable amount of time, honestly. When, when was the last War Games? I honestly, I, I couldn't remember. It's, it's mid to like... It had to be in the 90s. It's the mid-90s. Had to be in the 90s. It was like 96 or 97. Man. What a comeback. We've heard it rumored. memorable matches in WCW. I remember it being rumored to come back for a while and then possibly for Survivor Series and you hear it around once in a while, but actual confirmation that it's coming back to an NXT TakeOver event is huge the for that brand. The was in the talks was actually 2014, I remember that, because the first time they brought it up, it was a huge thing on the forums, and then... I remember because the community creations for WWE 2K14. Was it WWE 2K14 at that point? It was. No, 2K14. I was just wondering if they were up to the 2K at that point. Yes. But we were. In community creation, someone made a fantastic rendition of the NXT War Games arena. It was a great showing. They did a good job. I'd like to see if they actually had, you know, a grasp on what is to actually come because. That's always one of my favorite parts for the new 
pay-per-views is to see what they can do with the new stages and the new color schemes. I, I didn't know I didn't know you can make a you can make a two-ring setup in a WWE 2K. They didn't game? have the two-ring, but they did have the general war games scheme. Okay. It was just the the camo, the the war games name. All right, that's good. It was it was really cool. It was very well done. So it's been it's been hinted to come back for a while. We got final confirmation. I'm not going to give away the participants here because we like to pride ourselves on a spoiler-free zone, but you better believe as soon as we talk about the episode with the participants in it, this War Games conversation is going to take off two rings, two cages, a whole lot of chaos, NXT Houston, NXT TakeOver War Games. long time since we got a cage, too. The last cage match in NXT was Balor and Joe, I believe. Yep. Balor and Joe in that cage match for NXT take over the ends for the championship where the demon was vanquished for the first time. It still haunts me, Joe. It still haunts me. Actually, I'm wishing Samoa Joe a speedy recovery because Raw's got the Shield reunion and not much else going on in the IC title scene. I want to see Samoa Joe come back to fill a big spot there. But... Let's, enough with the main roster talk, let's go back to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3's kickoff match, but the main event, tonight's episode of NXT, Johnny Gargano, Johnny Wrestling, taking on Andrade Cien Almas, accompanied once again by the business-savvy and beautiful Zelina Vega, and Zelina's motivation seems to have stuck with Andrade Cien Almas, but old habits die hard, Nick. We did see some of that Tranquilo side of Almas come out there on this one. Oh yeah, we saw all those old tactics coming out. He was getting a little cocky in the match. But he definitely caught himself. Lounging in the ropes. Figuratively and literally because he caught himself in the ropes and then he nearly caught Gargano about to kick him in the mouth and stop it. He was almost a victim of the Gargano escape very early on as well. Rolling out to the outside, getting a bit of motivational words from Zelina Vega. Or I'm at least assuming it was motivational words because it definitely stuck out from there. about that woman is motivational. If I got her ringside, I'd be making sure not to lose any matches, and I'd dump any bad habits I got. But the back and forth in this matchup, Nick, there's just, there's so much emotional investment that goes with watching Johnny Gargano. It's really, it's it's fantastic to see in a baby face. He knows how to get the crowd to tie into a match emotionally like no one I've ever seen. It's awesome. It's so, so good. The last person that I've seen been able to tie a crowd in like that is Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. New Shawn Michaels had that appeal. I think Dan Dan O'Brien really has that young. has that Daniel appeal Bryan too. Had that very similar appeal. A lot of comparisons between Johnny and Dan O'Brien. Two very very great, just re- just real wrestlers in those two. Very old school styles. But let's go to the mental games from Andrade Cien Almas. It was as much amazing in ring ability, and it was also a mental attack by Zelina Vega again, sporting a DIY t-shirt. I guess she's like invading the warehouse and taking all the DIY t-shirts, just stashing them away somewhere just to mess with Johnny Gargano's head. I mean, I I think that would have been motivation for me seeing my name across her chest to just really brighten my day. Did pull even harder, but it was only because he was getting over Tommaso Ciampa. He stood up to Vega and said, that means nothing to me anymore. A really impactful and emotional moment for Johnny Gargano. Unfortunately, it did not lead to victory. Somehow, that diversion managed to take away a little bit of steam from Johnny. Just in the last bit of this match, Johnny trying to go for a head scissors and getting flung into that bottom turnbuckle. Nick, the impact on that, it it wasn't just the impact on that. What a finish to this one. Double knees, twice in a row. Twice. The whiplash alone. 
looked like his neck snapped. Johnny, uh, the actual impact? I can only imagine. Double knees to the back of your head. That is one of the softest, most vulnerable points in your body, people. Back of the head, back of the neck. Completely jarring everything. Twice from Almas, and we've seen how devastating those knees can be. And just when you thought Johnny's head hadn't taken enough damage, a hammerlock DDT to give Johnny Gargano an 0-2 record against Andrade Cien Almas. But it was a growing moment for Johnny Gargano. We saw him, I don't care about that DIY anymore. That was a growing moment for him. He had his wins over Riddick Moss. He had his win over Tino Sabatelli. Just when you think he could get a little bit of redemption from TakeOver Brooklyn 3, the Johnny Gargano emotional story just chops you down a little bit more. It's it's really fascinating to watch. Definitely keeps you going. And then I think it's going to keep going like this until Tommaso Ciampa makes his inevitable return to NXT. Oh, that... That, yeah, that real big welcome return that's going to be Tommaso Ciampa and the Psycho Killer. I like that Johnny Gargano got to keep the DIY part of the uh, part of the entrance music with the vocals thrown into it. Just yeah, another well, little. Tommaso Ciampa is clearly going to be the heel out of this situation, so he's going to he's going to get something harder, slow, hard hitting, yeah. darker music. I can't wait for that. But one thing I mentioned earlier, Nick, and I want to address Johnny Gargano not successful in this matchup. But the origin of the Johnny Wrestling nickname was first discussed by Mauro Ranallo, passing it off to Percy Watson, and he made a very interesting comparison to me. Comparing Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, and if you don't know the Johnny Manziel story, it's not a pretty one. So Percy Watson is saying that Johnny Gargano took the Johnny Wrestling nickname from Johnny Football, but he can't go down the same path that Johnny Manziel <laughs> Johnny Football did. I absolutely lost it. I'm a huge football fan myself. I got three fantasy football teams. He can't be going down that same terrible road. Which I don't expect Johnny to do because he's the most over babyface in NXT right now. Arguably, but that's my guns. I'm sticking to them. Uh, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Gargano comparison, it's not flattering. I didn't like it. I was much more partial to Nigel McGuinness's interpretation of it, and Nick, I yeah, know you I, were as well. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think Morrow was going for that in any way, shape, or form. I think he was going for more of what Nigel McGuinness had answered in the sense that Johnny Wrestling was trying to embody the, the word wrestling with his name and himself, you know? He was trying to redefine it, if anything. I think, he, I think that explanation could have gone over without the Johnny Manziel reference. I think Percy put his foot in his mouth just a little bit yeah. on that one. And uh, Nigel McGuinness able to pick up the save and give the interpretation that I know you and myself are fond of. Johnny Gargano personifying professional wrestling. And we're personifying NXT discussion. That wraps it up for us this week. Episode 27. Man, it is good to be back. Nick, it's great to have you back here with me. So good. I'm so happy. I'm proud of the... I miss you guys. I I miss you, Dan. I I missed being on on the Undisputed Future podcast. Part of my Wednesday was just missing in my heart, and I knew it. That that post-NXT review is just not the same without jumping straight to the microphone. I'm not saying I'm not proud of episodes 25 and 26, which are available on SoundCloud and iTunes, but this episode 27, having a little bit more back and forth, I had a lot more fun. I thought it was more interesting. The NXT universe continues to develop. Where is the NXT Women's Championship going? Who will qualify for that fatal four-way? We will find out another match next week. Ruby Riot, Ember Moon, and Sonya Deville clashing in another triple threat. And we have, of course, the six-man tag team match between Sanity's Eric Young, Killian Dane, Alexander Wolfe, taking on the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly. 
a huge card next week for NXT, really building the blocks towards NXT War Games. As soon as we find out the participants on NXT television, we'll discuss them. We will discuss that to death. But have our own little, you know, just uh, a little thing just for that, honestly. I mean, that's really anticipated. We might want to take a little time just to talk about that in a separate segment. Oh, the go-home show for NXT TakeOver War Games is going to be huge. I'm looking for discussion all over the wrestling podcast world. So if you're listening and you got your own show, reach out to me at podcast underscore UF is the Twitter. At Undisputed Future Podcast, all one word, is the Instagram Find us on Facebook, Undisputed Future Podcast. We got a bunch more views this week. Thank you, guys. I know I've handed out a few cards the past few weeks, so if you're a new listener and you got to have a conversation with me in the middle of Manhattan, I appreciate that, too. I'm CD Danny Mac. This is Nikki Six. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We are NXT's Undisputed Future Podcast, the only independently produced WWE NXT podcast on iTunes. I'm going to throw that tag around a lot because I like saying it. I'm very proud of that little accolade that I have. And I hope the rest of your week is a perfect 10. Thanks a lot. We'll see you at episode 28. Say bye, Roxy. Bye. (laughs) No? Nothing? Nothing. All right. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.